is Nightline. Tonight, skinny confessions. I didn't want to show up at another party and see all of my friends 20 pounds thinner. First, Ozempic changed their bodies, then it changed their relationships. Your sex life. It's hotter. Yeah. Caliente. But some going from cloud nine to divorce. If you had known that your marriage might be a casualty, would you take those pounds back? Plus, Oprah's big announcement today after recently revealing she's taken weight loss drugs. Plus, 10 million names, rare audio preserved across the generations of formerly enslaved Americans, heard now in their own words. I got my name from President Jeff Davis, President of Southern Confederacy. He owned my grandfather and my father. My grandfather was a blacksmith. The massive project to trace their lineage, bridging that dark time in history to their families today. She told us about how difficult it was, you know, just being alive during that period. I used to dance, but I don't do it now. The lessons those voices teach us about freedom. And she may have only had 25 birthdays, but Janet Steckley turns 100 this leap day. Nightline. Good evening, and thanks so much for joining us. I'm Phil Lipoff. Today, Oprah Winfrey sent Weight Watchers stock prices tumbling when she stepped down as the company's spokesperson after confirming recently she's taken medication to lose weight. Tonight, we look at the ups and downs of weight loss from prescription drugs like Ozempic. Real Housewives star Heather Gay says she's never been happier. But for others, that journey has had some unforeseen twists. Here's ABC's Deborah Roberts. You represented body positivity. And now some women are saying it's kind of a cop-out. Yeah. Like, I've sold out. I've given up the banner of, you know, relatable. Accept yourself. Accept yourself, love yourself. And it's disappointing to sad to know that body positivity was all a big lie. Because it's better to not be overweight. Known for her fun-loving and bold personality, Heather Gay has cemented herself as a favorite on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Receipts, proof, timeline, screenshots, everything. But lately, it's her changing appearance that's making headlines. That so-called Ozempic look that's seemingly everywhere these days. Everyone I knew was taking these GLP-1 medications, losing weight, and just bragging about how great it was and magical. One of your co-stars on the show made a joke about your designer outfit. Do you think it's a fake? I do. I've never seen a corset in like a size 14. Oh! You know, have you? Pretty cutting. Yeah, oh, cutting. But I've been called worse than size 14 Gucci. I mean, I've been called a manatee. I've been called Shrek. I've been called um, horrible things in private and public by my co-stars and by the general public. So Heather tried something new. The latest game-changing weight loss drug. It's the drug that's taking Hollywood and America by storm. Ozempic, originally meant to treat people with chronic medical conditions like type 2 diabetes, one of the biggest and most controversial weight loss crazes. And Oprah, it's me right here. Television icon Oprah Winfrey revealing she's using medication for weight loss. I think that we had this rise in this interest in anti-obesity medications that really came from social media and television. 
Ozempic, Wigovi, and Manjaro are drugs experiencing a big surge in use for weight loss. First, it changed their bodies. Now it's changing their relationships. Now that I've lost the weight, I want to experience more. I missed out on so much because I was so worried um, about my size. I don't have to shop at Big and Tall. The good. Your sex life. It's hotter. Yeah, right. It's hotter. <laughs> Caliente. <laughs> the bad. He wasn't noticing how happy I was with the weight loss. It really told me that I deserve something better. And all the fallout. If you had known that your marriage might be a casualty on this weight loss journey, would you take those pounds back? Some argue it's undoing decades of progress in the body positivity and fat acceptance movements. It is furthering the narrative that thinness is the goal. People don't need to be shamed about the size of their body. The pressure to be thin, experts say, can cause real damage. Some of the content that I see online regarding weight loss, it just feels off. Often, fat phobia is either subtle or overtly within the conversation and just widely accepted. Well, welcome to Beauty Lab and Laser. This is the med spa where we say all the best, no BS. After talking to her doctor, she took her first dose of semaglutide, the active ingredient in Ozempic. I didn't want to show up at another party and see all of my friends 20 pounds thinner and just be resentful. So there was almost a pressure there to try it. Absolutely, a pressure and also just maybe a last hope, you know? So what are the key side effects? So nausea is a, a component of the medications, followed by vomiting, potentially constipation. Some people can say that they feel fatigue or tiredness. These drugs can have serious side effects, including risk of thyroid cancer, pancreatitis, and hospitalization. Heather says she's treated differently now, better, both on screen and off. What do people start to say? You look great, you look thin, what are you doing? Are you on Ozempic? I started to feel seen for the first time, even after being on television, writing a New York Times bestselling book for the first time, I was being valued by my castmates, by the public, in a way that I had never been valued before. And that felt to me sad. I think it is important to recognize that looks and identity can be interwoven. And if you change your look so much that you feel like a different person, then your identity is changing. Unfortunately, when we're dealing with obesity, often there is an overlay of, of mental health disorders or maybe some issues with disordered eating may emerge. And I want to make sure that I'm not doing that, you know, in this process. There also may be issues with body dysmorphia. The societal pressure to be thin is leading many to take these medications off-label, even when it's not medically necessary. I am very adamant to not prescribe these medications in people that are solely using these for aesthetic purposes. I really believe that this supports disordered eating, eating disorders. There's been a more than 930% increase in patients getting prescription semaglutide in the past four years. I really think that we need to be thoughtful and mindful about this. We have a shortage of these medications for people that do need them. After losing close to 30 pounds, 
Heather says there's a lesson in all of this, not just for her, but also for her daughters. So what does that say to your daughters, though? You've tried to teach them, you said, to love themselves. But you've been able to really finally accept yourself as a smaller person because of a drug. So what does that say to them? I want them to feel empowered, but as a mom of daughters, it is a very nuanced razor's edge because I don't want to lie to them and say, it doesn't matter, what matters is on the inside, but it does matter. I don't know why that's the way it is in the world, but that has been my experience. That's a and tough I, message. It's a tough message, and I don't know how to deliver it to them. I have beautiful, vibrant, empowered daughters, and I would hate for them to think that their value is limited to their dress size. Our thanks to Deborah. The full episode of The Skinny Confessions after Ozempic is now streaming on Hulu. And when we return, voices of those formerly enslaved speaking to generations. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. People who disappear without a trace. Where is she? The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers. There's a Hannibal Lecter feel to him. For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast wherever you listen. Welcome back. The horrors of American slavery separated families, erased names, and obscured history. ABC News is the exclusive media partner of the 10 Million Names Project, established to unearth the names and stories of those who were enslaved, connect them to their descendants, and restore them to history. Here's ABC's Alex Perche. I got my name from President Jeff Davis, President of Southern Confederacy. He owned my grandfather and my father. My grandfather was a blacksmith. You're listening to the voice of a formerly enslaved American, a man by the name of George Johnson. This rare and historic audio interview was recorded in 1941, almost 80 years after Mr. Johnson gained his freedom. Do we know roughly like how many of these recordings exist? The recordings are relatively rare, um, but the recordings come from a much larger and really um, important and in many ways unsung uh, collecting effort. In terms of audio technology, most of it <laughs> was not recorded by audio because the technology didn't exist. So it's really just a handful of audio recordings we have. Dr. Kendra Field, chief historian of the 10 Million Names Project, and Harvard professor Vincent Brown explained how these recordings illustrate an enormous preservation effort. The first-hand accounts shedding light on the darkest chapters in our American history, yet also revealing incredible African-American strength and survival. 
The 10 Million Names Project is a moonshot endeavor that aims to use the power of ancestry research to identify the names of the 10 million men, women, and children who were enslaved in the United States. I've been doing nothing but like in the video. In 1974, a woman named Celia Black, at the age of 114 years old and shortly before her death, recalled picking cotton in Texas as a child born into slavery. One of the things that kind of struck me when you have an interview recorded in 1974, for some black Americans, I mean, they're, they're one generation removed from, from slavery. In some ways, we think of slavery as ancient history. I was six, seven years old in 1974. So it's kind of amazing that we were alive at the same time. Alex Haley's uh, Roots premiered on ABC just three years after this interview with Celia Black. What's your name? Kunta. Kunta Kinte. Alex Haley came into his work through his grandmother's stories. So we're really talking about oftentimes great-grandparents at, at this point in the 70s. Didn't you have some entertainment doing a dancing or anything? Oh, I used to dance, but I don't do it now. You hear these recordings. What were the emotions when you, when you hear, you know, the, the recollections of, 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 a, of a Celia Black? First is just the miracle of her survival. It's just that I'm, I'm actually hearing this person who had been enslaved. It's, that's kind of a miracle. Celia Black was alive when Abraham Lincoln was president and lived to see the resignation of President Richard Nixon. They thought Abraham was a this, they thought, everybody thought Abraham was the best president they were. The goal is to put names and faces on this vital history not only to give the enslaved the dignity they deserve, but to connect those living today with their family's story. With the help of the 10 Million Names genealogist, we were able to find the direct descendants of Celia Black. In Rhode Island, we met 68-year-old Curtis Royal, who spent time with her as a young man. She's my great-grandmother. Do you remember any of the stories that, that she would tell? She told us about how difficult it was, you know, just being alive during that period. And of course, she would tell us a story about the big ox that they had. My grandfather had some big old oxen. He had one with a big white horn. Oh, it like a house. Was it ever difficult to talk about slavery? Yes, and uh, I think what made it uh, so difficult is, is just uh, realizing, you know, how, how emotional it was and what they went through. You know, you try to put yourself into their physical being and to understand what they went through. And it, it's, oof, you know, it, it is scary. So since the launch of 10 Million Names last summer, um, we've received hundreds and hundreds of messages and notes from individuals across the country. We encourage anyone that wants to get involved to reach out. Who stands the most to, to gain from hearing these? I mean, is, 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 is it black folk? Is it Americans as a whole? If we're going to understand anything about freedom, we're going to have to understand the people who were denied that freedom. Our thanks to Alex. When we come back, happy birthday to the Leaplings. As in previous campaigns, it's 
The economy's stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts. And finally tonight, we celebrate with all those leap year babies. For those called leaplings, happy once every four years birthday. I'm excited. I'll be 13. You um, will be 13. I'll be you 13 look years great. Old. I'm not even old enough to get a learner's permit yet. And I'm not old enough to drink. 100-year-old Janet Steckley's secrets to getting to 25. Enjoy what you have coming and take advantage of the advantages you have. Happy birthday to all the leaplings. That's Nightline. You can watch all of our full episodes on Hulu. We'll see you right back here the same time tomorrow. Thanks for staying up with us. Good night, America. As in previous campaigns, it's the economy, stupid. We'll be looking at that this morning. First, though, it's the news, stupid. It is the economy, stupid. It's not the economy, stupid. It's national security, stupid. It's the hair, stupid. In 1992, one of the best-known pieces of presidential campaign wisdom was born. It's the economy, stupid. But was it actually the economy that won Bill Clinton that election? In a new series from the 538 Politics podcast, we're taking a look back at conventional wisdom from past elections with a critical lens. Where did that wisdom come from, and does it hold up today? Find the Campaign Throwback series in the 538 Politics feed wherever you get your podcasts.